I'm Damian Bulwa, Metro Editor here at the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, looking ahead to San Francisco's new district attorney, Chesa Boudin, who takes office next month. Reporter Evan Cernofsky covered the election, and he's here to talk about Boudin's reform agenda, specifically his plans to stop charging a certain type of gang crime. Evan Cernofsky, thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks so much for having me again. I really appreciate it, Damien. All right, so Evan, what is Chesa's stance on gang enhancements and why? So Chesa campaigned on a whole host of criminal justice reforms, but one of the ones he repeated over and over at a lot of these debates with the other candidates, the three other candidates in the race, was he said he was going to end gang enhancements. Now, gang enhancements are punishments that are added on to an underlying felony. And the whole point of doing this when they came about in California in the 1980s was in part of a broader effort to stop the fear and intimidation and the violence that gangs use in California to further their power in neighborhoods. And for a long period of time, it was very difficult to prosecute gangs because witnesses are reluctant to come forward. You put one gang member uh, behind bars and you still have the rest of them to contend with. And um, ultimately, over the decades, there's been what a lot of people have seen as a negative repercussion to these laws. Um, Gang enhancements are often applied to people of color, specifically Latinos and African-Americans, at a disproportionate rate to white people. In fact, uh, records that I got from the State Department of Corrections show that 68% of people now serving time for uh, gang enhancements are Hispanic, 24% are black, and just 3% are white. So when we look at racial disparities in the criminal justice system, which is a major issue right now in California, one of the areas that a lot of reform-minded people are looking at is gang enhancements. Okay. So you have outlined the gang enhancement law in your story recently. It really talks about um, not a specific crime like robbery or assault or murder or what have you, but it talks about doing anything that either promotes or kind of sells the gang or increases its uh, its value in the neighborhood or sort of assists in its in its operations, right? Right. So you might have an assault, which somebody might commit because they beat somebody up or a robbery because they want to rob rob them. But then the idea of the gang enhancement is that that crime was done to further the gang, to promote it or assist it. And um, so if you drive an associate to a retaliation against a rival gang and the prosecutors can prove that you did that, that would be kind of a classic gang enhancement. Right. It wasn't just the crime itself. It was that the crime was part of the organized criminal gang activity that is so pernicious in some neighborhoods, or at least was around the time that gang enhancements came about. Um, Since these laws have been in effect, we've seen a a pretty dramatic decline in a lot of the violent crime associated with gangs. And now, as a society and as a city like San Francisco, we're starting to take a hard look at whether or not these are laws that we should still be enforcing because it doesn't look like it does in um, like it did in 1988, for example, when the 
a lot of these gang laws went into effect. I mean, if you look back in like 1986 and 1987, there was well over 100 murders a year in San Francisco. A lot of that was attributed to these back and forth killings between gangs. This year, we've had 38 homicides in San Francisco with two weeks left, less than two weeks left to go in the year. We're on track to see one of the lowest crime rates, violent crime rates in the city's, you know, in city's history, and of, certainly the last 50 years. And of course, the long running debate with any of these crime numbers dropping is, was it stronger enforcement or was it more progressive ideas of like re- rehabilitation, um, you know, that that really did it? And no one often well, no, agrees on that. No one can really say um, for certain what dr- what has driven crime up or down. But um, a lot of people point to a number of factors, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, better technology that we have, uh, better assistance in solving crimes, um, strategies around anti-violence, you know, community organized uh, type things like the San Francisco's Street Violence Intervention Program, which brings uh, community workers into the neighborhoods to help resolve some of the disputes. Well, let's talk about where this fits in with uh, San Francisco politics in general. Chase Boudin comes from the public defender's office, and the head right. of that office, the late Jeff Adachi, uh, was working very hard to kind of tackle racial disparities where you see the numbers in the criminal justice system. And the former DA, George Gascon, was interested in that as well. And the idea seems to be it's not enough to just recognize these numbers. We need to kind of dig to the bottom and see if we can and remedy this in San Francisco, right? Right. So when you look at some of the racial disparities in uh, incarceration rates, for example, uh, Chesa often points to the fact that San Francisco jail is uh, 50% African-American. Half the inmates there are black, where uh, about 5% of the city's population is black. Now, that's not to say everybody that's in jail is from San Francisco, but a a large amount of folks uh, who are serving time in jail or awaiting trial Uh, are from San Francisco. So one way, uh, now that we have the statistics and kind of a granular way to look at them is to go, okay, well, well, what's going on here um, where black people and Latinos are serving so much longer sentences than white people for a lot of times the same crime? And and someone like Chase would say, well, a gang enhancement is one way they're doing it because they're not only serving time for the assault they committed, like the white person who's in the cell next to them, they're also serving five extra years on top of that because of the gang enhancement. Sure. And and of course, I think people will, will kind of recognize some of the comparisons over the years. Drug enforcement is one, right? Where depending on how you, how you do it, whether you are just going after kind of street level users and dealers rather than some of the established uh, people that have drug networks, you might hit you know, certain type of people. You might hit poorer people, for example. Sure. I mean, gangs, unfortunately, uh, tend to operate in poor, um, minority, uh, socially vulnerable communities. There's no Pack Heights gang, for example, but there's been gangs identified in Bayview Hunters Point and in the Mission, and in the Western Edition. And um, one thing proponents a lot of, of a lot of these um, gang enhancements and, um, and policies around targeting gangs say is that it's not only the people who are charged with the crime that are disproportionately being affected, it's also the victims of the crimes. So it's important to recognize that 
those who are victimized by gangs are also disproportionately people of color and poor people. And prosecutors who charge gang enhancements say around the state, say, this is what we're trying to do with this. We're recognizing that these gangs have an outsized influence in these communities. It needs a special crime. Exactly. And and who are we representing here as prosecutors? Are we representing the we're representing, they would say, the victims of crime, not the defendants, which a public defender is more likely to look at. Got it. All right, Evan, I need to take a break. Uh, when we come back with Evan Sarnofsky, we're going to talk about the history of gang enforcement in San Francisco for a minute. And we're also going to talk about a case uh, where a gang enhancement was just charged in San Francisco court. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Damian Bulwa. This is Fifth Admission. Reporter Evan Sarnofsky is here. We're talking about Chase Boudin, who is the incoming district attorney in San Francisco next month. And a big policy change where he has said he is not going to charge a special crime called a gang enhancement, which charges people for allegedly doing something to promote or assist a street gang. Evan, let's uh, let's talk about a case. While you were reporting this story, you found that there was a gang enhancement case actually going on a trial in San Francisco court, right? That's right. So I'm, you know, I report at the Hall of Justice. I cover the things that are going on in the courtrooms. And a particularly troubling case happened in 2017 when a father, a 44-year-old father, was out celebrating his birthday with his son. They had just gone to the Warriors game at Oracle Arena in Oakland. And on their way back to their home in San Bruno, they stopped to get a drink at a place called the Beauty Bar in the Mission District. And while they were there, the father got wrongly identified by two accused members of the MS-13 street gang who followed him outside and executed him on the street. Now, one of them, one of the um, accused killers, Jose Mejia Carrillo, is accused of coming up from behind Mr. Martinez, shooting him in the head and executing him well, the other accused member of the gang, Alexis Cruz Zapeda, is accused of a criminal street gang conspiracy in which he assisted in this hit. He essentially stood guard and then um, distracted George Martinez, uh, allegedly, while his um, his alleged accomplice committed the homicide. Okay, and that case is in trial now. A jury is still deciding what to do with it. Right. So that uh, uh, closing arguments just happened, and um, Mr. Mejia, Mejia Carrillo is charged with murder, being a felon in possession of firearm, and then finally a gang enhancement, something that Chase Boudin said he will no longer charge. Okay, and the the other the other guy who was accused of distracting and a conspiracy. He also is um, charged in his count, though, in some of the same language, right, about assisting and promoting a gang in, the, in that gang conspiracy charge. Right. The criminal street gang conspiracy charge is, uh, is a charge that directly um, references the statute um, of the gang enhancement, which is effectively a conspiracy to further the gang, to further the violence, to further the fear and intimidation that makes gangs so powerful in neighborhoods. Okay. So they might get extra time on their sentences for this. But I think what people who are against gang enhancements would say was just charge them for the for the violence, charge them for the for the underlying crime. Right. Chesa Boudin, the elected DA, has said specifically that he's going to still charge violent crimes like murder and murder still carries first degree murder, still carries a 25 
to life potential sentence. So whether or not there is a gang enhancement for an extra 10 years on here, um, the defendant is looking at uh, a very long and um, strong punishment. Okay, but the family you spoke to as well of George Martinez, the victim, and they were they were worried about uh, how the case might be charged if it if it happened in the future if if it's not done by the time Chase Boudin takes office. Right. So sentencing might not happen. the The case won't be fully resolved until Chase Boudin takes office, and it's really unclear exactly what the fate of the case is when he when he takes office is, which is um, making the the family a little bit nervous. They don't even know, of course, at this point, whether or not um, these alleged killers are going to be convicted. And they're still mourning the loss of their, you know, like many families, they don't want charges taken off the table. They want to they want everything out there. Exactly. And look, let's be clear here. This is a case where the um, the alleged perpetrators are still facing hefty sentences. But I think what a lot of proponents of gang enhancements point to with a case like this is that it still is important to recognize that gangs exist and they're a problem and they commit violence in in San Francisco. And by taking gang enhancements off the table, a lot of proponents of that law say it fails to recognize the basic underlying reason for the law in the first place, which is that gangs are a problem and they need to be dealt with for the sake of the neighborhood and the people that live there. And without things like gang enhancements, it's very challenging to prosecute these cases because witnesses are reluctant to come forward, as I said in in the beginning, because there's a whole network of people behind the defendants who can step into those roles, who can intimidate witnesses and commit other kinds of crimes that in the furtherance of the gang. Yeah. Power in group numbers. Exactly. So, Evan, you mentioned George Gascon, the outgoing DA in San Francisco. He's now running for the same job down in Los Angeles. His office brought this gang enhancement charge, and it would, I think you reported, bring these, but in very select cases, right? Right. Gang enhancements weren't charged very often by George Gascon. And keep in mind, uh, George Gascon was known as one of the most progressive prosecutors, not only in California, but all of the country. And he's seen in a lot of ways as sort of on the forefront of the progressive prosecutor movement that we're seeing right now. So a lot of folks will also say, well, why not just be judicious about the gang enhancements that you bring? Why unilaterally do away with a law where in some cases it might be necessary to bring those charges? But one thing that we have seen is as George Gascon is running now for L.A. district attorney against a more traditional tough on crime uh, head prosecutor like Jackie Lacey, who's you know still charging death penalty cases, for example, he's now backed off on his stance on gang enhancements. And in a recent debate that was being streamed online, he said that he would no longer charge them as DA of L.A. County if he's elected. Okay, so he he may go that direction as well, even though he's charged the case you wrote about. So, Evan, before I let you go, I just want to get into sort of the larger issue. I mean, this we're talking about this this case and we're talking about Chase Boudin's stance on this because it's part of a larger debate in San Francisco over whether the the measures that we have might have an outsized impact on people of color, on poor people, whether we should look at these stats and make some some big changes. And that is what everyone's watching to see if Boudin does when he takes office. Right. And keep in mind, we've already kind of gone through an evolution like this. Like back in 2007, San Francisco um, 
initiated a gang injunction program, which is where they uh, named uh, seven criminal street gangs. They identified sa- five neighborhood safety zones, and they uh, civilly charged 150 people with being members of gangs. Yeah, they essentially sued them in, in like nuisance lawsuits, right? Right. And one a lot of the criticism with the gang injunction program, which actually sunsets at the end of this year, at the end of 2020, will effectively no longer have that program. All of the people named in those gang injunctions were either black or Latino, and that was heavily criticized by uh, former, uh, now um, deceased, uh, public defender Jeff Adachi, who criticized the gang injunctions as, uh, you know, adding stigmas of being in a gang to people who are listed, uh, increasing racial profiling by police against the people who are on the gang injunctions. Um, uh, He he and others accused uh, the city of violating uh, people's civil rights and taking away their right to due process by, um, you know, effectively suing them, as you said. For yeah, there were curfews. Games. There were, uh, they couldn't associate with other quote unquote known gang members in a certain safety zone. I mean, it was pretty Right. And things like, things like uh, low level crimes like uh, spraying graffiti uh, or loitering could get you an additional um, six months. So similar, similar debate where it's sort of like the special uh, tactic for gangs but it has an outsized impact on people of color. And of course, the proponents, again, in that case, just as in this one, say it worked. Yeah, they say it worked. They say, uh, you know, if you look at some of the homicide statistics between 2008 and 2009, homicides fell from 98 to 45. So they were virtually cut in half uh, over one year period when these gang injunctions first went into place. And San Francisco was a little behind in the rest of the country. Uh, Homicide rates were falling all over the United States, but not so much in San Francisco. And in neighborhoods that we think of as traditionally safer right now, like parts of the Western Edition, those were incredibly violent areas uh, just just a decade ago under like uh, former uh, Mayor Gavin Newsom. This was uh, uh, gang wars going on in the in these small neighborhoods where uh, where people were getting killed and then retribution killings were happening after that. And just this spiraling cycle of violence that was leading to, you know, really unconscionable levels of homicides and violent crime in our city. All right. Well, the debate, I'm sure, will continue as Chase Aboudin takes office. Evan, thanks for coming in again. We appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for having me. Thanks to my guest today, reporter Evan Cernofsky, to Karen Creighton and King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.